welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from the Executive Appeal. You know what today is. Today, today is a good day. Today, I have not only like a phenomenal businessman, like like not not, not and not just just an awesome brother. It's just period. But today, I have a really really good friend of mine. I, I know I'm about to try to ride his coattails. So I'm telling everybody he's a really good friend of mine, but he is, I promise you. Um, my good friend, Mitch Brooks. See, Mitch currently serves as the co-general partner at High Street Equity Partners and is an executive leader, <laughs> executive advisor at Think Rubik's. But it doesn't stop there. It never stops there. See, prior to starting his own VC fund, Mitch served as the chief operating officer at DSI and the global marketing manager at Catapult. Now, look, I could keep talking about this man forever because everyone's been screaming his name for years. The, the, the Washington Business Journal, Afrotech. All I know is last I heard, he was the man on these streets. <laughs> With no further ado, how are you doing, my good friend, Mitch? I'm doing well. That's a great introduction, man. I appreciate you. And you deserve it. You deserve it. I promise you. You, you know, I have to, like, this is going to sound weird for everyone. I hope I, this is a no disrespect. I've known you now. I was counting the years, and it's at least 10 years. Yeah. Um, and you're someone who I just, I've always enjoyed talking to because of how insightful you are, how how thoughtful and intentional you are. and when I see Mitch Brooks, I, I feel like I feel like it should be like like Mitchell Brookingtons or something. Like I guess a <laughs> you just have like this really really smart go about you. Is your name straight up Mitch Brooks? Is, is there something and like the third or S Y or something in there? I'm I'm very proud of my name, man. And um, yeah, my full name is Mitchell Alexander Brooks the Fourth. And uh, my my wife reminds me all the time to like put that on all of my paperwork. And and print that out. Um, but for sure, I go by Mitch Brooks. Hopefully, um, it means I don't take myself too seriously. But I'm I'm extremely proud of my name. Well, I, I'm being real. Everyone, please realize this. This is this is not scripted. Um, I every single Alex I know is awesome. And now <laughs> understand. I'm not joking. I understand now your your middle name. It all makes sense. It all <laughs> makes sense, sir. All roads lead back to Alex, right? <laughs> uh, well, look, I, I, I we have a lot to talk about today. Um, but I, I wanted to start off with a question that that was kind of sitting on my heart. And again, it's been something I've I've kind of thought about when I think about you for all these years is you are not, you are not like this super boisterous person. Like you're not the loud person in the room. Um, however, your voice is always heard in the room. Hmm. See, there's a lot of people who want to move up the ranks who feel like, man, I'm not an extrovert, man. I'm not loud. How do I make my voice hurt? I just can't be hurt. You know, how do you make your voice heard without yelling? Mm. 
Yeah, I appreciate that question. And hopefully um, it'll speak to people that have a similar um, personality and give them some confidence with how they're going about navigating throughout the world. <laughs> so I get how I got that way. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I'm sure there's a combination of things and life experiences. Um, but what I've tried to do is uh, going into spaces. Um, I gain my confidence from being like well-read and uh, knowing what I'm walking into. And I think that uh, the more that you do that, the more confident we get walking in and, and being in different spaces. And I think that over time, um, when you feel good and confident about yourself and who you are um, and your accomplishments as an individual, uh, that there's not, I feel like there's not a need to be loud or um, try to force yourself to take up space but people will respect your approach and they'll respect that quiet confidence. It's been my experience in life. And so, uh, but it's authentic to who I am and it's authentic to my personality. Well, you know, I mean, you bring up so many great points just to kick us off in this conversation. I was, and some people who've listened to other episodes, you, you heard I was in, um, oh, I had accepted to the Aspen Institute Socrates uh, Fellows Program. And it was, it was amazing being out there in Aspen just, with these leaders from across the world, right? Yeah. And I remember that the fourth day I was out there just kind of sitting there and I called my wife and I'm like, like, hun, like, I don't feel like I belong here. Mm. I, I know I've done quote unquote well, um, but to compared to these people in the room, like, yeah, you got delegates, you got CEOs of international organizations. You got like, just re like there are billionaires in one of the rooms I was in that one, that one night, like, I just felt like I wasn't, I didn't belong there. So my, my question for you, that having that confidence, building that confidence of oneself, regardless of how quote unquote successful you've been, that's difficult for a lot of people. So do you have any advice or what are your thoughts or reactions to how to build that confidence um, when you're not sure you do belong in the room? Mm. I don't know if I'm the best person to answer that. Um, I, for me, um, this was nurtured in me um, from a really good village and good parents. And uh, at a young age, they encouraged me to be competent and to be confident. And I think that uh, without that nurturing over time, uh, if I had to learn it on my own as an adult, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'm the best person to give that advice, to be um, honest with you. Um, so I, I think my advice would be as our generation has kids and as we look to raise the next generation, it would be to um, really pour, be intentional about pouring confidence into our kids and doing that in a way that holds them accountable um, and doing that in a way that uh, encourages them to reach their full potential and push them to the max. Um, but also, you know, celebrate them and congratulate them along that journey, right? Um, I am not a fan of folks that win participation awards. <laughs> and so I believe in, you know, a meritocracy and, and a merit-based society. Um, uh, but, but I do think that it starts at home and with the folks that love us and the folks that we respect at an early age. Um, and, and then I think 
sort of what we're exposed to along our journey um, and the different spaces that we're in feed into that and support that. If you're a manager in the federal government, do you have feds protection professional liability insurance? Because if you don't, you need to get it. Having a feds policy means that you will be protected against any professional capacity lawsuit, administrative action, or criminal investigation arising from actions taken in the scope of your employment. This insurance is a must have for federal managers and starts at just $209 a year. Plus, your agency will reimburse you for half of this cost. To learn more, visit www.fedsprotection.com or call 866-955-3337 today. Well, you know, um, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but you just you just talked your way out of the, the trophy I was going to give you today because <laughs> everyone who participates on my podcast gets a trophy. <laughs> no trophy for you. Um, <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. I'm going to laugh a lot during the summer. <laughs> but, but, you know, you, 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 you bring up a, a very valid point about, about kids, right? Um, you know, it's interesting is, um, I'm not sure of all the different generations who are listening right now because we have different listenings, different listeners from different generations. But there is the reality that a lot of people, quote unquote, my generation, so millennials, um, and and even the people, I'm not sure who's right below millennials. Um, we are now moving into that phase for those who would like to have kids to have kids. And you know, something I struggled with for like a couple of years now, but I now finally feel better was looking at my parents. And saying, man, mom, like, why didn't you do it this way? Or dad, why didn't you do it this way? Or this could have been better. And, and it took me a while to realize it's, it's not, they did the best they knew how to do. And now it's up to me to impart what wasn't shared with me um, when I was growing up to impart that on my kids and help them grow up. And it's not a negative judgment of our parents, but more so, again, us kind of stepping on their, not stepping, but climbing onto their shoulders and continuing to grow um, uh, future generations. That's exactly right. They did the best they could. And, and when we actually think about it and put it in perspective, um, they did a pretty remarkable job and did better than what a lot of folks would do with the same resources. And so I do think that um, at some point, um, many of us become enlightened by that. And as we reflect on that, um, and as we um, look to want to ask for grace and good grace as we go throughout life, um, we're, we're encouraged in that space to start to give grace to others and to think back on our lives and the, the folks that play the pivotal role in our lives. And so I think you're exactly right. I think that they did as, as best as they could. And similar to you, I had a phase and a season in my life where I felt similar. Um, and I, I evolved out of that space to being deeply appreciative of everything that they were able to do um, with the resources and the capacity that they had. You know, one of those things that I you made me think about right now is um, there's this theory I saw the other day. And it's, this is my personal belief. Obviously, it's my show, so I can say it. Um, there is this, this retirement 
theory that was being shared on the news the other day, basically saying um, people don't need to really re- uh, prepare for retirement. Um, they just need to kind of live their life. You know, as mm-hmm. long as they have the bare minimum, that's good enough. Um, and then when they get old enough, they, they have the ability to spend all that down. So it's gone. Um, what do you think? Oh, I think this. I think if you have the ability to do something differently, I would do something differently. Um, <laughs> you, you almost caught my knee-jerk reaction. Um, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I want. That's what, that's what the listeners want, too. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's the best approach. Um, and I would be, I, I would not adopt that myself. Uh, but, you know, one just for one of the reasons, if you think about it from a, I know we got to care about ourselves and so on and so forth. We only have one life. I, I got it. But man, if, if I could amass the resources, and this is why I'm always talking about, you know, helping, you know, clients and their guests, you know, elevate themselves and find ways to get, bring more income and so forth. Because it's not about just money for money's sake. It's, it's the freedom. It's the ability to, to not only do things in life and, and spend life the way you want to spend and not having the, the clock in because you've got to pay a bill, but also the ability to pass some of that money down and let your kids start off not from ground zero, right? Um, but it doesn't just go for what you're, what you're saying right now. Like it's not just from a financial standpoint. Are we trying to pass down resources to our kids, um, we're tr- and our nieces and nephews and so on and so forth? But we're also trying to pass down knowledge and experience and advice. And, hey, you know, don't go this way. I mean, if you, you can if you want to, but this is likely going to happen. Um, so it, like you said, it's much, it's much more than money. It's, it's all of this knowledge and experience that we can share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, what I'm always surprised about is how much you've accomplished in your, sorry, I didn't give you an opportunity to talk about. Do you mind sharing um, a little bit about what your organization is and what you do in that organization? <laughs> I gotcha. Uh, sure, man. Um, so... High Street Equity Partners is an early stage venture capital firm that invests in uh, companies led by women uh, and diverse entrepreneurs. And in particular, we have a commitment and interest in investing entrepreneurs across diverse geographies. And so uh, there's a lot of data uh, and stats that support why that's helpful uh, and the compounding benefits of that. Um, but in short, uh, the idea is that uh, I would like for this to be my life's work over the next 20 to 30 years. And this is a meaningful way to address the gender and the racial wealth gap. And so a lot of my professional work and experience has led me to this place to where I wanted to take all of the skill sets and my network and to be able to uh, live in a way um, that's um, deeply rewarding uh, and looking to address this gender and the racial wealth gap. So you do good work. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Sir, and, and you've been doing good work for a long time, but where I've always been kind of in awe about is not only your ability to do good work, but your ability to reach out, support, mentor others. Um, you do volunteer work. You you specifically, you, you could talk about yourself, but you, you have certain goals of supporting certain types of programs and industries annually. My question is, just, I run into so many people 
who who want to do good work and they also want to to do good in their community and so on and so forth but they feel like there's just not enough time to do both but you've done it somehow so how do you go about doing well in a situation where you could elevate yourself um, career-wise, but also doing good, doing good in your community, those people around you? Hmm. Um, my, I have a few thoughts uh, to that, and, and I hope it's helpful for, for uh, folks that support uh, your program. Um, my first thought is that just working hard and being honest with ourselves. I think that um, for whatever reason, um, I and I think I know the reason actually as I think about it. Growing up, I saw my mom and dad um, separate at a young age and living with my mom, um, she was supporting three boys and she decided to go back to school. Uh, And so at 10, 11 years old, I saw my mom going to school in addition to working a full-time job, in addition to um, providing for us um, and being our mom and running us to basketball practice and the likes. And it's not lost on me um, at a young age. It, it left quite an impression that my mom was still getting a 4.0 GPA nice. in school uh, while she was raising us. And <laughs> at a very young age, it uh, uh, put on my mind that uh, if mom can do all of these things <laughs> and still rock out and be viewed as a superwoman, um, then you can definitely go to school and get good grades yeah. and play basketball and practice your sport and practice your instrument, right? And so um, I'm fortunate that my mom did not sort of force this on us. Um, but I think she knew her sons and she trusted us to know that we would pick up on it um, and that it would become a part of our work, that work ethic over time. And so I'm eternally grateful for just being able to see that and looking to, to imitate that as a child. Um, and I think that it stayed with me. Um, and, and also I've had positive reinforcement of that when I picked college roommates and when I picked to live, uh, to live with friends, you know, post-college as a professional, yeah, I feel like um, I've, I've been fortunate to pick people that um, stay about their business. And I don't want to use the phrase stay busy because you can be busy and just running in, in place. But the idea is to stay productive uh, and, and to, to make the most of your time. And so I, you know, how I'm able to do both, I think, because I care deeply about it and I prioritize it, but also I don't um, fool myself to thinking that, you know, uh, eight hours of work, if it's eight hours of work, I'm really trying to do eight hours of work. And it's, and it's not, you know, me taking an hour to really get situated and you know, me taking breaks and all of this other stuff. And I think those things can be good for mental health, but I also think that I'm very honest with myself that I I want to accomplish these things today. And I go into each day with a checklist um, and I say, these are the things I want to get through. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's a matter of having a good work ethic to push through it, to make it happen. Um, and so with that being said, I prioritize giving back and I acknowledge that 
uh, to a great degree, I am here because of the folks that have given back and have supported me, um, some known and some unknown. Uh, and so I, I strongly feel as though it, like it's all of our duty to, to give back to the people coming in behind us. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA group term life insurance and see how much you could save by visiting WAEPA.org today. Everyone knows I'm in agreement with that. I it, like, literally end every episode with don't look back, reach back. Don't look back and say, oh, those people should have been here, right? Oh, yeah. oh, too bad for them. No, bring them to the table. Bring content to them. Don't look back. Reach back. Bring people with you. So I'm, I'm loving it, Mitch. Um, you you made me think of this. And that. I, again, I'm planning on doing a YouTube video on this. Um, okay. But I, the other day, oh, I saw... You got some scrolling situations. Look at you, man. Show t- look, look you, you're not the only man on these streets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so the other day, I saw this um this this woman. My wife and I were watching these different choreography choreographer dances on YouTube, and there was this woman doing this dance with all the other dancers. And she's in a wheelchair, killing it. She had to adapt her certain dance moves that she couldn't do because she's in a wheelchair, but she was still killing it, right? And then it clicked for me. I'm like, oh, shoot, you know what? Oh, a couple weeks ago, I saw this guy on TikTok who is a, a he's a, a woodsman. Like he, he creates things out of wood, you know, like um, uh, uh, you know, the drilling and the cutting and the sawing. Like he, carpenter? It, not, not a carpenter, but he makes like, like he makes like things out of wood. So I know okay. there's, there's an actual name for it, but you guys get it. Um, you all get it. Um, he creates these things out of wood. Beautiful, beautiful these things out of wood. And he's blind. Oh, wow. um, there, there's a person who, who there's, a, there's a runner. He's a sprinter. Um, and this guy is like ripped with no legs. And he sprints now with his, with, with his arms. The, the point I'm making right now is like, it's hard for me to say I can't do something. Yeah. Um, that don't mean what we're going through isn't hard. Doesn't mean it's, 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 it's not comfortable. What it means is that if we are, if we are dedicated to, if we are committed to, if we, we are willing to, to overcome the, the, the bad feelings, which feelings, they don't feel good sometimes, but they, they go away. That's what a feeling is. If we are able to, oh, oh, willing to overcome those things, we are, able to do so much more than what we think we may be able to do yeah that's powerful you, you get, are you a preacher i don't know we might have to talk to q and see if i can get on the pulpit <laughs> one day um <laughs> but you know like you're saying it, it rings so true and I just want to make sure we're calling this out and underscoring it that if you want to do it, you can do it. And the other point you said, which was so critical, which is be real. Like you can lie to a whole bunch of people. Lying is not great, 
but you can lie to a whole bunch of people. I feel like the one of the worst people you can lie to is yourself. Mm. Like when you, and you say, oh, I'm going to do eight hours of work, but you really know you did like five because you was over here, you know, you know, eating something, you check was on Facebook, like be real. Like, you know what? I'm going to do five hours of good work today. Don't lie to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, at a very young age, um, I always felt like, and, and I'm trying to think where I learned it from, but um, that's sort of irrelevant. I, I, somewhere along my journey, I picked up on the idea that um, people may be smarter than you. They may be more uh, better resourced than you. Um, but one thing that you can control is that uh, you can decide if they cannot work you or not. Mm. And so I think to your point and to the, the spirit of what you're saying, um, a lot of people have gotten very far in life by just having the, uh, the mindset that people will not outwork me. Um, and, and I saw something on YouTube by The Rock. Um, like Dwayne Johnson the other day, and he said the same thing. He said, I am where I am because I felt like no one would outwork me. And um, I, I think that if um, we, if your supporters and, and um, listeners to this program, if they were to research and look at some of their favorite um, business leaders or government leaders or um, celebrities, I, I I believe that at the foundation for the vast majority of them, they will have that same mindset and that same spirit. And so I picked up on it at a young age. I saw some positive reinforcement of it at a, at a young age. Um, and I just wanted to to live with that mantra. And so, and, and so I feel like that's at the spirit of what you're saying. And, and I'm a believer in it. Um, and so I would pass that along to others as well. You know, something else you picked up on at a young age was um, I, I heard a story that you, when you were younger, you would like look at the newspaper and see like, oh, shoot, Michael Jordan did X, Y and Z. And this is all awesome. And then you look at the business section being like, oh, who's the guy who's paying his paycheck who just made another million or billion? Um, you you seem yeah. to not focus on what most people would focus on. Can you tell me a little more about that? Can you mind sharing from that, that story? Yeah, yeah. So when I was younger, I'm, well, I'm 6'3 now. And when I was younger, um, I just knew I wanted to be a basketball player. <laughs> I, I, was, I was good at it. Um, and I was tall. And um, I, I felt strongly that that was going to be what I was going to do as a professional career. And um, when my dad would take me to school in the morning, uh, I would look to get the paper from him and I would read the sports section in the car and I started to take it with me into the lunchroom in the morning before classes started. And my dad in his uh, infinite wisdom said, uh, you know, you keep taking my sports section and so I can't read it. And uh, in addition to you taking the sports section, you need to take another section and tell me about it when you get home. And in the Washington Post in Washington, D.C., where I was um, born and raised, uh, the business section comes after the sports section. And so me just looking to be quick and fast about it, I would take the sports, <laughs> I would take the sports in the business section. Um, and when I was finished with the sports section, I would 
pass it along to my friends that may be interested in reading it. And I just started to look at this business section. And, you know, it, it started out by me reading some of the stories about the business leaders and what was going on in the business world um, at a young age. And it evolved to me, like really getting into it uh, and like teaching myself how to read. This is when the stock market was shown in newspapers. <laughs> and so you had to learn how to read um, the ticker symbols and um, seeing like what was the progress from yesterday or what have you. And, and so I taught myself how to read the stock market ticker symbols in the Washington Post at a pretty young age. And to me, it was just fascinating. I think, you know, coming from a working class family and, you know, it's one thing to want to be like rich and famous and to be like Michael Jordan. Um, but it's it's just as effective uh, to see the owners of the Chicago Bulls. And the fact that Michael Jordan was an employee of their organization um, and that there was a lot more wealth and success that the owners were seeing as well. And so that stuck with me at a really young age. And um, I, I always knew that uh, even if I were to become a professional athlete, I wanted to do the right things with my money so that I can get into business as a second career after I was an athlete. And I knew that if I did not uh, go on to become a professional athlete, that business would be the space that I would go into. Um, and so over time, I like nurtured that and cultivated that and declared it as a major going into college and the likes. And so I think to a great degree, I, um, I owe my dad and I credit my dad for just planting that little seed as a child um, in me that uh, evidently, my family uh, cultivated and nurtured over time. Man, that 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 is an amazing, amazing story. Yeah, and for for everyone listening, like I mean, everyone, you should you should Google Mitch. Uh, <laughs> after after doing you know two years in the NBA, um, he went over to the um, the major uh, major league baseball. You know, <laughs> Major League Baseball. Look at you. I'm trying to pump you up. I'm to... <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, after three years in NBA, you went to play a year, you know, baseball, like, you know, what's it, what's it Magic? Or, uh, and, and, yeah. and, and, and then he went, and then he, you know, went over, it was a vast ambassador for a while, but, you know, he said, you know what? I want to give back. So I'm going to come back and do this. You know, I, I, I love it. I love it, Mitch. Um, if anyone's creating a Wikipedia page for him, like just add this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to call out again something else that you that I heard you say, um, which is be be very cognizant of where you can learn from. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll share really briefly. So when I so I do a lot of speaking at, at events and conferences and workshops and keynotes and da da da, and I, and I, I almost always get someone coming up to me afterwards and being like. Like, how did you get good at speaking? Like, it's hard. You're in front of all these people. Like, how, how do you do this so well? And and, and the, the answer is really twofold. One, practice, like just doing it a lot over and over. You don't start off good. You ultimately get better at it. Like, I'm I, I'm sure you didn't start off understanding all those ticker symbols. You ultimately got better after doing it for a while. The second point is I am consistently focused on learning my craft better. So even when I when I go to a training, 
Like if, I went to this really great training a couple of years ago. The, the, the training, the, the conference was awesome. And everyone was so excited. We're learning so much about leadership and training and so on and so forth. And I, I was in awe. Yes, the training was great. But I'm like, oh, my God, like, they're running this business so smoothly. Mm. And everything is set up just to, they're about to sell me another book. Like, it's very, very impressive. The same thing for speaking. I look at comedians. Oh, yeah, you know, someone may be funny. Dave Chappelle may be funny. Right? But I'm like, how did he deliver that punchline like that? You know, mm. the, the pauses, the, the how do you use your hands and your, your tone? The point being, if, you're in, if you are invested in getting better, you should be keeping your eyes out. Sorry, keeping your eyes open to everything around you. And what is, what is your environment teaching you about how you can do what you do better? Um, so just, I, mm. I, again, I love, I love what Mitch is talking about. Now, again, I, I know we are starting to run up against our time. And Mitch, you said you had to jump on with um, the first lady, uh, <laughs> former first lady, Michelle Obama. So I, I know I know they got pre- presence over me, but I want to open the floor back up to you. <laughs> is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience as we begin to wrap up? Hmm. My, the thing I would like to leave folks with is, uh, I think to follow up and to play on what you're saying, which is this idea of lifelong learning, uh, convinced that as long as we keep an open mind and an open heart um, and look to be bold and courageous to step into things, uh, I believe that we'll continue to get better. All of us will continue to get better with time. And so I, I acknowledge that um, some people have a privilege to be able to do that more than others, like given economic security and stability. Um, But I I, I do want to strongly encourage people um, to evolve with time. Uh, They say that the only thing that's consistent is change. And so whatever that looks like for folks, um, I would like to uh, encourage them to do that. I'm not the only one preaching today. <laughs> Mitch, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm not sure if I should call you Mitch. Like Alexander. You know, <laughs> I really do love that your name is Alexander. I really do love yeah, that. I don't think you knew that before this uh, conversation. And I've known you for 10 years. This yeah. is why these are so important. Because yeah. otherwise, you know, Mitch doesn't talk to me. I had to get him on the podcast. And so <laughs> Yeah, it's been good. It's been a pleasure to join you, man. Oh, man. I, I appreciate the invitation. Um, and and I hope that as things progress for me and with this fund and what we're doing, that I'll be able to come back and give an update and speak to you about what the future looks like more. Um, I think my learnings as an executive and as a leader um, more uh, from that perspective as well. You know, one thing I didn't get to ask you that I, I, I wanted to was um, the, this acknowledging the fact that you have st- you were an executive. You've been a, a senior leader for a while, doing well in life. Um, and you made the choice to start your own fund and jump out there and do this. And that takes courage. And I know there's got to be some fear associated with it, but whatever it was, 
you overcame it and, and, and you're taking your shot at it. And I know we don't got time to talk about it today, but maybe next time we, co- we, we come together, you can talk about how you overcame those. If you had any fear, maybe you're just Iron Man and it, nothing bothers you. Um, yeah, you and I have spoken a little bit of, about this, um, but the idea of a supportive village. And so I had an extremely supportive village um, that started with my wife and started at home um, and others that have known me in the space, folks like yourself. And so I think that um, minorities tend to be, tend to feel strongly that, hey, I went to school, I got a good job, I have like this uh, economic security and uh, it's, it's sort of tough and it can be scary to step out on your own. Um, but I found that uh, if you have a village uh, that's pouring into you, and oftentimes those same people, they have a plan that they put in place. And so to a great degree, I had a plan uh, and I executed my plan over time. And, and so I, I think there are folks that are even more courageous that, you know, feel the spirit and something hits them and they say, hey, I'm doing this and I'm doing it now. Um, uh, but, but I acknowledge that I had a plan and I worked that plan and looked to transition, um, to what I'm doing now, um, because I felt strongly that, uh, what I was doing, I was good at, but it was not what I wanted to do for the next 30 years of my life. And, um, I, I knew that. And, and so I had to, um, live in, in that truth and live in that space. And I think it takes some time for many of us to figure that out and to figure out, like, what do we want to do for the rest of our lives where we can be financially rewarded as well as live in purpose? Um, and so uh, I advise folks that when when we see that and when we figure that out to immediately create a plan to move towards it. Was that, that, that was, so the, the main sermon was, was there. It was just like Sunday school now. Like I'm just, I'm just trying to make sure we, we classify these and categorize these the, the right way. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for being yeah. here with us today. Mitch, thank you so much for everyone who's listening. You know what the deal is. Don't look yeah. back reach back. If you if you found anything of value in today's conversation, don't keep it to yourself and say, hey, him or her over there, they should have been here. Don't 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 be that guy. Don't be that gal. Bring them to the table. Bring this to them and say, hey, click the like, subscribe, comment, say how awesome Mitch is. Because every time you say how awesome Mitch is, an angel gets swings. Um <laughs> you know, anytime that you and I get together. Uh, it's always a lot of jokes and laughs. I think you did a pretty good job today. <laughs> I have a chance to see this side of you. Uh, it's, it's, it's always some helpful and some good stuff, but there's a lot of jokes and laughs, man. So good, good to uh, join your pod and, and appreciative of the invite. Uh, and I'm hopeful that um, uh, folks were able to take something away from like our leadership conversation and, and the conversation around management style. So I'm hopeful that it, it's helpful. Oh, I'm sure it was. As always, everyone, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for 
listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trimble, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.